You are listening to the Christian Worship Center podcast. For more information about our church, please visit us at cwcstillwell.com. We hope you enjoy this message. Last week we talked about the pre-COVID you. Amen? <laughs> how you've changed. Come on, how many's changed since all this started happening? You got more into the Word. You got to listening for, as Sister Sheila said well ago, you wanted to find your own Word. You didn't just want a prophet telling you, you want to see what God is saying to you. And this is exactly where we're at right now, is the church of Jesus Christ is rising up as a mighty army. Come on, we can win this battle, church. We have already won this battle. So guess what? You've been hidden. There are things in your life through the will of God as you begin to grow in God that's going to blow people's mind because you've been hidden so long people didn't know that was in you. Because stuff is about to come out of you that you're going to say, what just happened? Amen. There's people that are praying with people that they couldn't even speak to a person a few months ago. And now they're praying with people everywhere. You know why? Because something got in them. How many like to have something get in you? Because you've been threshing wheat. You've been hidden at the wine press. And you've been threshing wheat just like Gideon was. And while you've been at the wine press, God has been growing stuff in you by his divine plan. That when you come out, people aren't going to recognize who you are. Who are, who are you? You're, you're not that pre-COVID you. You're not that pre-social rest you. Something happened to you. Well, while everyone was hiding and going nuts, David was out there swirling in the wind. He was praising God. And all of a sudden, he came to the city and killed a giant. And they didn't even know what happened. That's that little shepherd boy. What's he doing here? That's my little nosy brother is what his brother said. He don't belong up in here. He's not supposed to be here. He's supposed to be down there with sheep. Sheep sleeping in the sheep shed. That's what he's supposed to be doing. But And this is exactly what God is about to do while everyone else is hiding and going nuts. You've been growing in the Word of God. You've been in the will of God. You've been in the Spirit of God. you got the promises of God. We have been talking about this in Judges chapter 6. It's where we were. If you want to go back and read some of that, the Midianites are the bad guys. How many knows that we're facing some bad stuff right now? I'm not going to call no names. I'm going to get involved in that. But I know you know. You've watched the news. But in Scripture, it ends with... A if it ends with an ite, except the case of the Israelites, it is bad. Amen? So here we see the good guys, the bad guys, messed up the wrong thing. They, they come in, they're going to take over the wrong stuff. So God, the, the Israelites, is what I'm talking about. Here they messed up. And God's turning them over to the bad guys. Come on, America almost got it done. So God hands them over to the Midianites for how many years? Seven. A completion of God's disciplinary action. We like to talk about God's completeness, but not when it's discipline, right? Seven in Scripture is the number of completions. So when the disciplinary process was completed, 
the Midianites are so cruel that the Israelites made, made hiding places just for themselves in mountains and caves and strongholds because they were so cruel that they were full, these, these Israelites were so full of fear, they hid. The Bible says they made hiding places. You see, the Israelites were known for building altars and making memorials to God. And they went from making memorials to God and building altars to making hiding places. Isn't that what the church has been doing? For so many years, we wanted to not get involved in anything that caused us problems. That the church has become seeker-sensitive for a hypersensitive world. Come on, we got a hypersensitive world. You know it. Everybody's offended. And everybody gets offended. Even in the church, people are so offended. They are looking for a spot to fall out instead of get in. We want that excuse of if somebody does me wrong, I'm out. So whenever Israel, Israel, he planted their crops, that's verse 3, here comes these frauders from the people of the east. That's why you stay away from the east. The east would attack Israel. And they would come and they would attack the land to destroy there and take away their harvest. To a degree that the Bible says in verse 5 that the people of God would be light starving. They wouldn't have nothing to eat. They wouldn't have no food. They wouldn't have no... Hasn't it been that the people of God has been starving because the enemy has been attacking us? Come on, y'all. We've been starving because so we had to hide. So Israel was reduced to starvation by the Midianites in verse 6. They were starving. Let's Let's get this. The Israelites sinned and they failed God. Subsequently, he takes away their insurance policy. Come on. Quit making your payments, Brother Jeremy. He's an insurance guy, so I'm going to pick on him. You get your policy revoked, right? So guess what? God's the same way. You quit paying him what he's due. You quit paying your vows. You quit worshiping. You quit praising him. You quit thanking him. You quit acknowledging him. Guess what? Your policy gets revoked. I'm sorry it's true. Oh, I'm going to get lots of flack over that one in there. <sighs> the Midianites came in. So the moment they first see the see, they see, if you're taking notes, this number one is the hidden warrior it has a harvest, number one. We've been talking about that a little bit, but I haven't got right into the notes here. But here it is. The hidden warrior has a harvest. How many knows you have a harvest? And the enemy's after it. Come on, even hidden warriors have a harvest. But first, they disobey God, and we can't ignore that part. Others may ignore the fact, but we can't ignore that fact because they did evil in the sight of the Lord. What, what is the evil that they did? They quit worshiping God. They started worshiping other things. Is this not the case where God had to slap us down in 2020 and say, I'm closing your sports down? I'm closing your churches down? Because some people worship church. Come on. I'm closing your worship down because you just begin to worship worship. 
Oh, I know it's going to be bad this morning. I was hoping the Lord would really take over in that word and I wouldn't get to preach. But it reminds me this morning, us, that actions have consequences. Come on, if you think they don't, we are living in a hyper-generation world. Amen? Most of the generation today don't believe that actions have consequences because they don't believe that there's any such thing as an absolute. So if you don't believe in absolutes, guess what? Two plus two can be anything. Uh. So it, we, we ignore the fact that, uh, but I want to remind you as the Lord stopped protecting them because they had deviated from God's word. God gave them a word. I want us to understand something this morning that sin has consequences. As the Lord stopped protecting them and he did this, the the word sin is an abnormality today in America. We don't hear it preached. We don't hear nothing about it. Nobody wants to be reminded of it. In fact, they'll say, what is that? You know, the word is actually anything that doesn't hit the mark is sin. So if you point your arrow toward a mark and don't hit it, there you have it. It's a missed mark. It's sin. Oh, I know this is rough, ain't it? But how many has hit at a mark and not hit the mark? We all have. So we're all in the place of Romans 8.28. Or Romans, not Romans 8.28, but Romans 3.23. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Is that right? So we've all hit them. We've all missed the mark. So, Christendom in America, to a great degree, people are afraid to preach about sin. And I realize the fact that it's better to preach about the antidote to sin than it is to preach about the problem of sin. So, I'm not here to preach about a problem of sin. I'm here to show you that God's got a solution to sin. Amen? And he's given us the solution. But we all have to acknowledge that we messed up. And we sometimes still mess up. So we have to go back to the antidote and find, because he said, you have an advocate or an antidote with the Father that if you do sin, amen, that God is standing, or Jesus is standing at the right hand of the Father, or sitting at the right hand of the Father, making intercession for you. So guess what? If you stay under the flow of the blood, guess what? The blood washes away all sin. Amen? So we got to stay under the blood. You can't get out, go most chasing around after everything. So... <laughs> That, that's a problem with a lot of people, is they want, they, want, they want a free ride under grace to do whatever they want to do. But guess what? The minute you step out from under his protection, you're on your own. You say, preacher, where you get that at? Genesis, uh, Exodus. You will find that he told the children of Israel, stay in the house. He told, he told Noah in his house, stay in the house. The ark. Come on, if you fall, you're going to fall in the ark. You're not going to fall outside. If you make a mess, you did it inside. Come on, y'all. It makes sense. 
So, so we say, well, the church is in a bad mess. I don't like some of the church and the monkey shines that's going on in the church. And this church has got serpents. Well, bless your heart. Talk to Noah's wife because she was in there with all kind of animals, the skunks and the, uh, the, the, the gorillas and all kind of monkey things going on in there and all kind of craziness, all kind of stinking, all kind of serpents and all reptiles, spiders and you name it. And she said, it might smell pretty bad in here and it might be pretty nasty in here, but it's the safest place afloat. Hallelujah, I'll still stick with the church and all of her mess. Amen? I still want to be a part of that. Amen. Amen. Okay, I'll move on in a hurry. So sometimes we must, we, we must sometimes, uh, we need reminded that the reason we are in the position that we are and with one, if you have just one eye open today, you can see that we of the church, we as the church, have been silent on issues too long. Why is this accepted now? Because the church has been silent about the issue. They don't want to shake the boat. They don't want to rock the waves. Because we have been given the idea, if you mention sin, the church is empty out. And we are led to believe that by the emerging generation, they cannot handle the word sin. Because it is hostile to their narrative and their way of thinking. But that is so untrue. Come on. I just want to give you a little tidbit. Ooh. People want now more than ever to know what God is saying. They want to know more now than ever what God is thinking. What God wants. (laughs) They want to know more about reality and more about truth and more about love and more about hope and more about despair and what God says about it. Let me show you because I'm kind of a faith and science guy uh, that there was a recent stir survey came out on George Barner report that regarding the generation uh, Z and the millennial generation that they asked these two generations that what are in Christian when it pertains to Christianity what are you looking for and you would assume that this generation would say because what we see on Facebook and YouTube and Instagram and other forms of social media, you would assume they would say, we want to know about good worship. You would assume they would say a message that would help me and fulfill my purpose. But, oh, no, that's not it. The number one thing that these two generations said that they wanted is we want to know what God says about what is right and what is wrong. Y'all ought to give the millennial and Z generation a hand. Come on. They want to know. And who's telling them? Well, it ain't the church. The church is still still stuck in the secret sensitive and thinking that's what they want. And they're filing out of the church saying, we don't have no confidence in what the church is saying. We want to know what God is saying. Woo. 
There's a generation that is emerging that is hungry. And that is why we can't drink the Kool-Aid that we're being passed out and saying, drink this, drink this, drink this. Hey, pour that mess out and get you a glimpse of the Holy Word of God that is without sin, without wrath, and without any doubt. Know what God is saying. The next generation will be the most Christian generation that we've ever seen or heard. Come on, I believe it. I believe it. We are about to see a bunch of Elijahs and Elishas rise up that will do greater things in this Elisha generation that the Elijah generation ever thought about doing. Come on. We're seeing it. There's a young man out of Bethel Church. Put that church up. Hand that picture up for me, brother. His name is Sean, and you might have heard about him. He's going across the nation. A long-haired, hippie-looking dude. And we would say, huh? <laughs> but this guy <laughs> is a radical, long-haired, Jesus-loving, power-packing young man in this century that loves God. And when restrictions were passed out in the church in California and said, you can't meet together, guess what this little rascal did? He got him a group and they went to Huntington Beach. And that's where they are, having church. Come on. When the government said you can't do it, he said, not in my generation. I'm going to take my generation and we're going to go to the beach and we're going to have church. You know why? Because I got a heart for God. Let the church close down. Let them do whatever they want. But we are going to serve God. So at times, when he left that encounter at Huntington Beach, he went all over the United States and is still doing it. Sometimes up to 12,000 people shows up at a, at a place where they're worshiping. Hey, don't tell me somebody ain't looking what God is doing in this hour and in this day. Hallelujah. It, he took it on to Sacramento. He's been to Orlando, Washington, D.C. Everywhere it's it caught on. Churches started going to the beaches and worshiping all over the nation because one guy said it's not going to happen in my generation we're not bowing we're not going down we're going to fall into the hands of a living come on somebody hallelujah hallelujah oh not my generation we're going to stop we ain't going to stop until we encounter God you may say we can't but we're not stopping worship we're worshiping Whenever whole hell shows up, heaven despairs and despair appears. Heaven appears and begins to dispel the darkness. Because why? Some little kid rises up and say, I will raise a hallelujah in the presence of my enemy. (laughs) So so what, what are we doing? What I'm telling you. Is we're about to see a generation that says we are going to live according to the word of God. What God says about it, we're going to still believe it. What God wants, we're going to do it. 
We're, we're going to live by the word of God, the will of God, and the way of God. Let's get this, get this in very clear, church, this morning, that, that the, it's a false tech, the theology when you hear the teaching that says you can do whatever you want to do as long as your heart is right. Come on, it's a teaching that's been prevalent in our society, but it's wrong. And we got to get that word out. We can no longer be seeker-sensitive. Come on. Oh. Mm. You can do anything you want to in your flesh as long as you're right in the spirit. That's crazy. For somebody that studies the word and believes God, that's the silliest thing you could ever say. And this is where our world is, our church is at. Not our church, but the churches. Amen. They're still preaching a false pretense. You can go on and live like you want to. But what I'm saying is God's about to come through for us. He's about to change the way we think. He's about to change the way we act. He's about to change the way we live. So, oh, if you are living in the Spirit, the Word says you walk like you are living in the Spirit. You talk like you're living in the Spirit. You love like you're living in the Spirit. And you act like you're living in the Spirit. Your testimony must walk line up with your, your prophecy or your, your title. You are a child of God and your testimony has got to line up with that. So the Israelites did evil in the sight of God. Actions have consequences. The Midianites were like the enemy today, cruel and prompting God's children to hide. The giant in David's day, prompting those children of a God, go hide. Come on, go put, get out of my way. I'm calling the shots now. You're children of God, go close down your churches and obey me. Two little sweet little children now. Go get in your house and don't come out. And we're about to hear it again. But let me tell you. They were hiding. And they were full of fear. And the enemy took away their harvest. The Bible doesn't teach us that they hid. They took away their harvest first and then they hid. It says they hid, and then the enemy got their harvest. Come on, the enemy can't get your harvest unless you hide. Amen? So I want to talk to some warriors this morning. Don't hide. Hiding days are done. I believe we hid last year because we were in a, in a, in a purpose. God was doing a thing. Amen? I believe he was doing a thing in the church. I believe he was doing a thing in our, but no more. It ain't time to hide no more. We are out and we are done with hype. Come on, y'all. Come on, we got to come out and we got to demonstrate because the Israelites were afraid and they hid and they came after their harvest. And every time you demonstrate to the enemy that you're hiding in caves of fear and the enemy that you're, he will take away your harvest. Every time you act, 
and you express yourself in a way conveying the message that's what's in you or is greater, is more, is less powerful than what's on the outside of you. Guess what? You are saying to the enemy, come get my harvest. I can't do a thing about it. But the Bible says greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. So don't ever act like what's outside of you is greater than what's inside. We can't afford to let the enemy take our harvest. So when the enemy, enemy is a, saw that they was afraid, in other words, he can only touch them harvest the moment you begin to hide. We have too many believers that are hiding, too many people that are hiding. God didn't save you so you'd hide. Come on, he didn't save you and change you so you could be in pits and caves. Come on, that ain't what he said. He said, let your light so shine. That they may see your good works. Oh, well, I'm no good. Come on, you said it right. There ain't one good, but one good, and that's God. But as long as he's in you, guess what? He shines. John said it like this. I must decrease, he must increase. So guess what? The flesh has got to die so that the light of God can shine. Oh, this is why Jesus said, I don't listen to the flesh. The devil has nothing in me. He don't get my attention. He don't act. Woo. Y'all like that? Come on. You got the same thing in you that Christ had in him. That's why he said greater things than I do shall you do because I go to the Father. So guess what? What are we hiding for if we got greater in us? Because if you got greater inside of you. The enemy can only touch your your harvest the moment you begin to hide. He saved you. So when the enemy comes to confront you, like he already has a lot, he is a defeated foe. Amen? I'm here to tell you the word of God and the spirit of God. By his word and by his spirit, hiding days are over. It's done. What does that mean from this moment? You're no longer going to hide, church, because of fear. We're going to, something is rising up inside of you right now that you're going to say, not on your watch. I'm not coming down. I'm doing a good work. God's about to show up with revival, and I'm not going to miss it. So I'm not going to hide. I'm going to be in his presence. I'm going to be in his power. I'm going to be in his authority. I'm going to do what he wants to do because my hiding days are over. Hallelujah. Because the Midianites are those mobsters uh, because of the threats. And a matter of fact, I'll say this. You're about to be so hidden you'll never hide again. Nobody is going because you, why you say that, preacher. You know why I say that? Because Colossians 3 and 3, we are hidden in Christ. How many wants to be hidden in Christ? If you're hidden in Christ, guess what? Christ is the one that comes out on them, and they're going to be messed up when he comes. Because right now you're hiding, and you're in hiding, and you're not there. It's not your flesh. It's not so you don't have to back up anything you say because it's Christ speaking through. Woo! Hallelujah. John 32 and 7, you are my hiding place. Hallelujah. When you are hidden in Christ, you no longer hide from man. When you are hidden in Christ, you no longer hide from life. You are hidden in God. John 32 and 7, he protects me from my troubles. He surrounds me with songs of victory. Why? How does he do that? He just does it. I will raise a hallelujah in the presence of my enemy. Hallelujah. 
I will raise a hallelujah. You should look at somebody right now and you should tell them my hiding days are over. I'm not hiding anymore, Satan. I'm coming out. I'm coming out with a song. Come come on back. We stop hiding in caves. We stop hiding in the pit. We must be like Gideon. He was hiding. Stop hiding. Come out. Come out wherever you are. Come out from from the enemy. Come out of hiding. And let's get ready to do the work of God. Because God's about to do something in this place that you don't want to miss. Amen? I believe it. Come on, we done already heard it. Now we got to believe it. Because nothing outside of you can stop you, deter you, when you are covered by the blood of Jesus. Come on, how many believes you are covered this morning? There is nothing outside of you that can stop you. When you are filled with the Holy Spirit of God, and you're holding to the promises of God, there is no reason for you to be hiding, church. I am believing that we are about to come out. That means our dreams, our purposes, our callings, our giftings are about to be exposed. Come on. Come on. When Gideon stepped out of that wine press, what did that that angel call him? You are a mighty warrior. Ooh, he's no longer hidden. He becomes a mighty warrior. Come on, church. You're about to step out of your hiding place into a mighty warrior status. Come on, I dare you to hashtag that. Woo! Mighty warrior. Mighty warrior. You've been hidden. You've been hidden. You've been hidden. And what did they take away? Their harvest. There is a harvest with your name on it. You have got a harvest with every person in this building. You've got a harvest with your name on it. The enemy's tried to take it away, but guess what? God said there is a harvest with your name on it. We must believe we are approaching the harvest season. There is a harvest from heaven waiting for you. Galatians 6 and 9. Do not grow weary, for at the appointed time you shall reap if you don't give up. Amen? You shall reap. The harvest, if you don't give up and hide. So this morning, because the Spirit of God is inside of you, you will fight your flesh. So you must keep fighting the good fight of faith. He will show up prompting you, tempting you, provoking you, but give it up. By the grace of God, you did not give up in 2020. You're still here in 2021. Hallelujah. You're not going to go down in 2021 because you're already won in 20. Come on, somebody. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You got to believe it. It's crazy. We owe the crest, the presence of God, our praise right now. God, we give you praise for our harvest. No devil. No enemy is going to take it away. You don't have to wait five years or four years or three years for your harvest. How many believe that the harvest is this year? Come on. How many believe it? How many will stand on that with me this morning? I'm going to stand on my harvest. My harvest is not going to be next year or ten years from now. My harvest is coming. I believe I'm going to see my family saved this year. Come on. 
I'm going to believe I'll see my healing tonight. I believe I'll see my redemption tonight. I believe I'll receive a victory tonight. I believe I'll see the glory of God this week. I believe, oh, come on, come on, come on. You say, well, how do, what does that mean? Well, he told the children of Israel at the Red Sea, the enemy you say today, you will see no more again forever. Somebody ought to praise it. Woo! The Red Sea is about to roll back. Hallelujah, hallelujah. He is making room. Come on, come on, come on. I got to tell you this. Why do you think God has been pruning us? Why do you think people this year have walked out of your life? Come on, brother. They left. And you said, man, what is going on? I'm losing family members. I'm losing people out of my life. People are walking away. You know what? He's getting ready to make you have room for a harvest he's about to bring. Don't worry about what you lost. He's about to make up for it. He's about to give you family you didn't know you ever had. He's about to give you children you never dreamed of having. He's about to open up glory and finances that you had thought you would never have. Come on, somebody. Oh, I praise him this morning. Hallelujah. God has been moving stuff out of your life. Come on, give him another praise for the harvest this morning. We worship you, God. Hallelujah.